Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Jonathan Kramer, VP of Marketing at ActiveWorks. Jonathan, good to see you. Great, great to have you on the show. Good to see you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about your background as a marketer and about ActiveWorks. Sure. So I've been in the marketing, I guess, game for over 20 years. I started off in the dot-com boom, actually. I was... I was actually trying to be a teacher. I was living in Quebec City at the time. I'd finished my my master's in English Lit, and I was trying to find a teaching job, but to teach to French speakers. So I wanted to teach literature to French speakers, mm. which is a unique unique teaching challenge. And there was just no work, and so I'd actually gone back to the states. I was, I think I was living on my sister's couch in the Upper East Side, and I got a call from my professor, and he said, "Someone from the graduate program wants to talk to you about a job." So I went back, and it, this was. I want to say the fall of 1999. So anyway, so I, I went in I said, and I wanted to be back in Quebec City anyway. I was, you know, I was enjoying New York, but I hadn't really fully, you know, set up shop there yet. So I went, I accepted the job offer and I started off as a sort of writer of all trades. They needed tech writers. And what happened in the dot-com boom, and I think in a lot of startups is writers become sort of the default marketers. And I didn't realize this was happening. So I was doing press releases. I was doing web copy. I was doing technical manuals. I was doing translation from French to English, English to French, you name it. We were a team of you know two or three. We had one like full-time, but I was doing everything. And I, and I remained in roles. I was there for five years. The company grew very quickly. There were layoffs. You know, this, I was there from two, February 2000 to 2005. But along the way, in, in, that, in those writing jobs, I got to really work closely with Every type of software engineer and project managers, product developers, executives—you name it. So it was it was wonderful, and I think you know wonderful experience. And I think a lot of people will will agree that working for a startup is usually a great way to get exposed to all of these different aspects of marketing, mm-hmm. sales, everything. Right. So so I continued on that path, and I, I built myself as a writer for a long time. But you know, eventually, I realized that I was managing projects. I was sometimes training people on, on different things. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a didactic, there's a pedagogic sort of component to that as well of marketing where you're teaching. So I was getting, I was fulfilled because I was doing the teaching because I was writing, explaining products. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, doing sometimes tech support, that sort of thing. And, but I, some, for some reason for, for years can consider myself as a writer when I was doing much, much more. So later on in my career, I sort of transitioned to the content marketer which was becoming popular back in, I don't know, 2000. I first saw it when I moved back to the United States in 2011. So, and up until that time, I'd worked a lot of freelance. I'd worked, you know, mostly mostly tech marketing, a software, that sort of thing, software as a service. And then when I moved back to the States in 2011, I was trying to get senior copywriting positions in like, you know, Ogilvy or, you know, some of these, these, giant, um, these giant advertising firms or agencies. And um, then I started getting contacted by recruiters for content marketers. And I was like, well, what's content's a broad term. And then I said, oh, this is kind of a fancy word right now for experienced writers who can, who can not just write copy, but they can come up with scripts. They can come up with training modules if you need to. They can come up with, you know, educational stuff, educating on products. So from the content marketer, it was a similar evolution where I just started managing larger and larger projects and having my hand in different sales and marketing activities. And then eventually I was, you know, marketing director. I was at Dun & Bradstreet, which is the largest company I've worked for. Uh, before that, I was at Tango, which was about 
3,000 employees, I think. And then Dun & Bradstreet was maybe five or 6,000 when I was, when I was there. And so, yeah, so I've had, what I really loved is I loved the content, but then I started really getting into the lead generation, demand generation, the technical side of this, how does this work? Email marketing I'd always done, but less pressing the buttons, more composing the copy and creating the, you know, sort of content funnel. So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how it happened. In the last few years, you know, I've, I've been running marketing programs, building them up from sometimes just a couple people, um, or sometimes a mark starting off as a marketer, you know, marketing team of one and then building it up, managing the agency relationship or, you know, a freelance network and then eventually hiring, you know, full-time staff. So, so writer to content marketer to, to marketing showrunner, as my friend likes to call it. Yeah, I like that marketing showrunner. And you're now at ActiveWorks. Yes. So say a few words about ActiveWorks. What, what is yeah, that? Yeah, ActiveWorks is a, it's a SaaS company. So it's, it's a software platform that solves a lot of automation challenges related to finance. So think of AP automation, accounts payable automation, vendor onboarding, vendor management, which is imagine a company works with 5,000 suppliers. Well, you need to have some sort of tool to manage all that, manage the relationships, manage the data. And the other one is B2B payments. So we have a really robust, robust um, B2B payment solution for you know, large organizations that think of all the bills they got to pay. So it's kind of, you know, what we can really do is what we call STP straight through processing. So from the invoice comes in, we've got all the technology to make sure it gets paid. And there's so many complex processes and challenges from those two points. So it sounds easy. It's like, oh, I got an invoice, I'm going to pay it. Well, there's all these things you've got to consider like approvals and there's, there's payments, you know, there's this batching, all these things. So it's, it's a huge market. It's a multi-billion dollar industry and payments alone, of course, you know, payments is much more sophisticated and evolved for be like for personal payments. Like I can Venmo you, we can use PayPal, but it's really not, it's real. I won't say it's not as evolved, but I mean, I, I think there are a lot of businesses that even, you know, household names still are having, you know, challenges in their payments. So that's one of the big things we do as well. But I would say, I think we started off, you know, historically we started off more as a, um, you know, managing the invoices. So that sort of AP processing, but we do okay. those sort of three things, but we also, I'll just mm -hmm. add one thing. We also do a lot of, sure. um, once we're in a company, because automation is, is really our specialty. We sometimes end up automating more products a little bit outside of our specific pro. I mean, we automate different projects, maybe outside of our specific products. Cause once we're in with a company and they're very happy with what we're doing, they're generating beautiful, accurate data. I and mean, they might have some other challenges and they, you know, sometimes will ask us to do, do additional products. So once, once we get in, like, there's really no one that, that really, even the bigger competitors that we go up against, if we can get in the door, no one beats us. We just have, we can, you know, we can mm -hmm. integrate with pretty much any ERP out there. And if you know what an ERP is, it's like Oracle, SAP, these giant, you know, sort of the infrastructure, data infrastructure systems of, of organizations. And, and we have, superb integration with those. And that's kind of how we beat people. So once we get in, there's a lot more value than just the payments and there's just, and the AP, you know, the invoice processing. So. Okay. Well, thanks for that. And by the way, listeners, if you hear any like loud drilling sounds or banging, we got some work being done on the house today and nothing I can do about that. And so I have a dog that's guys. snoring in the background. So that might Oh, uh, I'm not hearing okay, that. Good, okay. That would be, if I could hear that, that would be a very okay, loud snore. <laughs> so, so now as, as you've described, you've had lots of different, lots of different experiences as a marketer, and you've had this trajectory of going from more of a hands-on writer, content cre 
creator and producer now to a project manager and like a business strategist, mm-hmm. right? So how would you say that having had that hands-on experience with creating the content has helped you be an effective marketing leader? I'd say, well, having a, an in-depth knowledge of the amount of of work and planning some of those sort of creative projects uh, take and what the impact they can have on. And, and it, it helps a lot with the strategy of targeting and personas. And one of the things you learn as a writer is how to write to your audience, you know, how, or how to write in the first person or third person, or, you know, how to write in different, different characters. And that, that translates very well to marketing, especially for something for account-based marketing, which is what we do heavily at Acta, you know, and that's targeting specific personas within an account. So I think that that, that, that writing aspect has really helped me understand how to strategize and how to create campaigns that hit those different personas. And, you know, and I, I hesitate to get into the, the funnels and this and that, but, you know, those, those concepts of meeting, meeting their pain points at a certain, you know, certain point in time. So it definitely, definitely has helped me as, you know, my writing background has helped me understand that. And that helps me with, with my strategy and planning and helps me get an idea of realistic timelines. I think when some people don't know what some of these creative projects entail, they might be like, okay, Hey, I need an ebook by tomorrow. And, and I'm not joking. I've had people say, okay, I need your, I need your, your year marketing plan. Can you present it to me tomorrow afternoon? No, I know that the planning takes time, but also the execution takes time. So I think that that's helped me also in, in, you know, I guess, pacing my marketing plans as well, knowing the amount of amount of work and, and consideration it takes to, to build those things out. Yeah. You know, you've talked about writing a bunch and I'm a, a fellow writer. I was, I came up that way too. So I, I have a, an, a real appreciation for the written word, but the, these days, of course, we're so much more in a visual world, Right. We're doing an interview right now with video technology. Video is so big. There's such a push for it. it it's the, the visual seems really dominant to me. What to, but, but to what extent do we all, as marketers, do we still need to be focused on writing and the written word? Like, What role does writing still play today, even given the dominance of video? I think it's absolutely crucial. And I will tell you right now, as someone who's hired people, I always look for writing is something at a certain point you just can't teach. So I recently hired someone, mm. someone out of college and she's outstanding. I mean, she's just impressed me in every way. And I wanted to know, you know, does she have basic, can she write a declarative sentence? Does she have basic, you know, yeah. knowledge of writing? Because I think you have to be, be able to identify good and bad writing in marketing and sales and, or if you like something, you have to be able to say, why do I like it? It's like when you look at a competitor's ad and you say, that's amazing. What do I like about it? Is it the visual component? Is it, you know, is it, is it, is it stock footage that would use creatively? Is, is it a funny slogan? So I, I really do. I think for certain roles as marketer, when I'm building a team, I mean, I'm not going to expect a graphic designer to, to be a writer, but for a sort of general marketing specialist, they have to have it. Cause I can't teach you that. You know, I can't teach you, yeah. you know, some people are better writers than others for email marketing and things like that. You know, they need to have some sort of basic understanding of, like I said, the declarative sentence or like, what is a question? What is a statement? And, yeah. and you don't have to get that deep into grammar, but it, it's, a, it's absolutely crucial. And I've worked with senior marketers in large companies who, you know, they could have been VP of marketing in a product line and, and their writing was terrible. And they'd always say, oh, yeah. can you clean this up? And I'd be like, 
Yeah, it's it's doable, but I I think it really helps when you understand when you can write at least you know coherently. And surprisingly, that's been yeah. lost in, in corporate America. And I, I can't speak for you know say the UK for example, but even even people and I I look I've interviewed people from top schools who just couldn't write. And I remember hearing my father, who was an attorney back in the day, and he would interview young lawyers out of these Ivy League schools who couldn't write. And that was the first thing my dad said, no, I don't care. Like you could be from, you know, night school or whatever. If you can write, that's crucial as, as a lawyer. And I don't know how much that, this was a conversation I had with him 20 years, 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's crucial. You don't have to be a great writer, but for certain positions, you need to be able to identify good and bad writing and, and identify the difference and why. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned that you really, you can't teach people how to write. And I think, you know, just to, to clarify that maybe a little bit, I think you, it is possible to learn how to write, right? I used to teach writing at the college level. So you can take someone who's a not great writer and give them the fundamentals to at least improve you know, become like a decent writer. But I think I hear you in your role. You're not, you're, you know, you're not teaching writing right. as a VP of marketing. You just don't have time for that. Right. And so you really need, and I hear you. I mean, I have hired people before as writers, you know, people who market themselves as writers who, who aren't good writers, yeah. you know, at least in my opinion, they're just not able to, and it, I think it goes beyond to just being able to like to write a declarative sentence. It's, it's being able to write clearly for one thing, which is a lot harder than it yes. sounds. And also just to be able to on the fly manipulate language deftly, mm -hmm. you know, assume different voices and tones depending on the audience, like you said. And that's a highly developed skill to, to, to be able to do that and do it efficiently and do it quickly and get it right you know, the first time instead of having to go through 82 drafts, right. you know, I think I find it's hard to find these people. It is. And like I said, when, the reason why I think of it that way is, you know, to your point, yes, we can, we can help someone improve the writing, but coming on the marketing team, you're going to learn new software. You're going to learn a new, you're going to already have so much to learn as it is that I don't want to have to worry about, you know, sort of like yeah. that, the basic, the basic fundamentals. And and so, yeah, so because when you when you come on, you have to learn, for example, okay, how do we use HubSpot? How do we use Salesforce? How do we use, you know, you're going to be yeah. drinking from a fire hose, as they say. And if you've got that good communications writing, you know, foundation, it really helps a lot. And it really, you know, one of the examples, I mean, just from an academic standpoint, um, I wasn't, I was never necessarily the smartest person in the room, but I was a voracious reader and I grew up. And so when I got to college, you know, I did, I went to a state school. I love, I went to university of New Hampshire. I, I loved it, but I was, I'd read so much because my parents really pushed me to read. And I was, I was just so far beyond a lot of the people for my reading and writing, not because I was smarter than them. I had just identified, well, with a very strong push from my parents, the value of written communication and verbal communication mm -hmm. and looking up these words. We had this big Funkin' Wagnall in our, in our living room. My parents made the joke, look it up in the Funkin' Wagnall. So we used to like, I used to, we used to challenge each other with words. I try to stump my parents with, with words. And it was a fun game that, mm. that carried on through my career and, and even into grad school who I was, I was up against much more academic, scholarly, erudite type people, but I was still, mm. I could grind, I could, I could write. And, and my professor, you know, he, he eviscerated me when I first got there. My first chapters of my thesis were just read. You couldn't even read it. By the end of my thesis, I'd get the corrections back by chapter four or five, and there was much less. 
So I was yeah. constantly improving. And I'll say one last thing to this point, which carries over to marketing, writing, and communication is you can always get better. I'm in my mid forties and I'm still working on it. And my professor at the time was a world renowned professor of the metaphysical poets and, and Elizabethan, you know, Elizabethan literature. And we were, he was talking about a book he wrote. He was thinking his late sixties at the time when I studied with him and he had written a book on, it was John Donne. I can't remember exactly what it was. And he'd written it in his forties. And this is a guy who had already had his PhD in his forties, speaks Italian, French, English, and very amazing person. And he said, you know, I go back and I look at that book and it wasn't written very well. It's very, very ambiguous. I feel like I could, I should rewrite mm -hmm. it. It's not very clear. And this was a guy who had a PhD. This guy was in his forties. He'd already been a yeah. professor and was criticizing, critiquing his own writing and saying, oh, I've gotten a lot better now. This is late sixties. And so it just never stop improving. And I just, I, yeah. I think about that to this day. Cause I look at my writing. I'm like, Ooh, that could be better. That could be crisper. That could be more succinct. And I'm yeah. like, well, Dr. Raspa, even in his sixties, one of the most famous, mm -hmm. you know, metaphysical poet uh, experts in the world still thinks his writing can get better and has read a hundred times more than I have. So I found that encouraging, but also, you know, it, it, it gives us some accountability and responsibility. Like we have to get better. We got to push ourselves continually. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's writing is no different than most crafts or things like that. The more you do it, the better you get. The more you're willing to learn, and also there, there's a, a piece of writing is never really done. Right. You could always do another draft with a little bit of time and distance from it, tighten it up just a yeah. little bit, make it a little, a little simpler, a yeah. little more. That clear. happens with it's, email marketing, for example. I'm reviewing some, you know, some email campaigns right now. I'm going through the built out emails. You know, we do them in Word and then we build them out. And I, every single yeah. one, I have some tweaks before they go out. Yeah. And it never ends. But it, but, but that revision process is fun. And, and, you know, you, cause you see the email build out, you see what someone's going to get, you, someone's going to receive. And you're like, Ooh, okay, I'm going to cut this down. And I always make them shorter and shorter and shorter. And I, and I have a word count, ideal word count, but I even try to make them shorter yeah. in the final version. So yeah, that's, it's, but it's, it's, it's fulfilling. I, I got to say that it's satisfying. Because you get to see that again several times before it goes out to the to the reader to the audience, and you're hoping that you know, of course, for a marketer, you're you're thinking of click rates, open rates, deliverability right. rates, but but still, at the back of the mind, that's that writing, that's my professor. So you can always get better, you can always be clear, your writing can always improve. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you think about marketing? I mean, I'm sure the answer to this is yes, but I, I, I should really ask a not a yes or no question, but a, a how okay. question. So. How do you think about marketing differently today in your current position as like a strategist than you did when you were doing more of the hands-on writing? Oh, that's a very, very good question. I, I guess I would think of it today as more of, I mean, there, there are more channels and mediums available to us that I'm learning to, to explore and open my mind to every, every day. So as before, I would just be like, okay, this marketing, it's going to be a content marketing approach. I'm going to have my content pillar, which is going to be an ebook or a white paper. I'm going to break out the content pieces, email campaign here, advertisement here, video script from here. So I was probably more limited in, in my in my approach before as a content marketer. And now I've got to think in terms of, you know, of, of leads that are coming from whatever source. And I'm, I'm, I'm quicker to to I want abandon is not the right word, but I'm quick. I'm, I hate the word pivot, but um, I'm quicker now to change, change course. Like I'll start something, I can come up with my year plan and I, and for young marketers listening to this, you're going to find that your plan, whatever you come up with, and maybe this applies to other areas of business is never 
going to be, it's never going to be close to what, what you got. Maybe the broad strokes, but I find myself, you know, changing. So now as, you know, head of marketing, I have to be even quicker and more sort of nimble, I guess, and resourceful than I ever was while keeping an eye on the prize on, on, on the broad picture. As opposed to as a content marketer, I was a bit more focused on that creative aspect, the strategy framework. And now I'm responsible for all of it. And I have to, I have to scrap it and start from scratch if it's not working and say the first quarter, because you got to give, and you, and you have to be judicious. You have to, you have to understand when it's time to, to try something else. Some things take time. Yeah. Like advertising takes time. There's certain things that take time, but like, when is the, the law of diminishing returns apply? And I think I've gotten better that I'm thinking more in terms of that and more in terms of the, like yeah. I, I'm, I'm accountable to, to people at the top of the top. So, and the people under me, I'm not going to throw them under the bus. You know, I'm responsible. And so I've got to figure out ways to, you know, think of what am I going to get the sales? I got to meet my KPIs. I got to deliver sales enablement. I got to deliver leads to sales. So definitely a more, as opposed to when I was a content marketer, a more, I guess, holistic approach it would be and more and more technical too, in the sense that, you know, mm -hmm. I, I've got someone, you know, helping me some of the stuff, but I've got to think about how, you know, not just the funnel anymore. I've got to think about how these events going to translate to how's this budget going to work. If this doesn't work, you know, we do co-marketing with IBM. So I got to think about how can I integrate IBM into my marketing strategy. And thankfully, you know, as a IBM partner, they have a, a wonderful team, an entire team. I don't know how big it is dedicated to helping partners like ActiveWorks who, who have software applications that operate on IBM technology and they're, you know, wonderful, extremely helpful. And so that's a tremendous resource. So I've got to think about all those different things while as, as head of marketing at ActiveWorks, I have, you know, kind of, I own the new logos. I own, you know, the, the sort of channel, channel partners, and then also, you know, what we're doing, you know, everywhere else. So, so that's mm -hmm. that as opposed to as a content marketing writer, you're thinking about almost more, more in a modular sense as as opposed to holistic sense if that makes sense yeah yeah no i think it does make sense right i mean i think it's in, in a way it's just kind of common sense right. right if you're a content marketer you're more focused on the thing that you're working on at the moment like the piece of writing or the video you're producing and in your position you have to think about the broader context of how do all these different things fit together right. and is it all working and do we need to pivot and, and all those things? So it's just more parts and pieces to Yeah, to and, and if things aren't right? ready in time, you have to learn to, to move the pieces around because things are not going to be yeah. ready. They're, not, they're rarely going to be ready in the time that you'd like. So you have to sometimes <clears throat> kind of swap the pieces out so that, that this thing's ready to go. Okay, we're going to use that. Oh, this thing's not ready. We're waiting on blah, 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 whatever it is. No excuses. My yeah. my CEO doesn't want to hear excuses. He wants results, and so he, and he doesn't want to necessarily hear yeah. how I solve the problem. I'm I care. I love solving the problems. I want to tell like that's why I was happy to speak to you so I can talk about these things. But no yeah. one else cares around me except for maybe the people on my team. <laughs> so it is that problem right. solving too. That back to that earlier question about what I'm doing now, and I love you know that problem solving aspect as much as I love the creative. I never thought I would like anything more than the creative aspects, but I love solving these problems and they're new and they're more challenging than they ever were since COVID. And since no one's picking up their phone anymore, people are inundated by emails, those traditional techniques just don't work suddenly. And they were going that way yeah. naturally, but COVID and a bunch of other things accelerated that. And we weren't, a lot of marketers weren't prepared. So all those things that we kind of wanted to try and test along the way now are like, Oh damn, we got to do that now. So yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Jonathan. Well, 
thanks for that. Thanks for all these great insights and for your time and for a great discussion. Really enjoyed it. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.